does the pineapple artificial flavor ever smell like cat pee to you? No. Okay. So every single time I have pineapple artificial flavored any type of candy, all I get is this like whiff of cat piss. No, I think I can see that. It's just rare, like only in um, like if it was a bag of just the pineapple gummy bears, the white ones, Mm -hmm. I think I know what you're talking about. But in a bag of all the other flavors, I'm not going to get that. And it's not in the taste, but I can hear it in the smell. Um, Because there are some, I wish I could remember one, but there was this one candy that I really loved growing up and it was like a gummy candy. But if you just smelled the bag, it smelled terrible. Yeah, something about pineapple. It might have been like, like it might have been like the fizzy Coke bottle mm-hmm. gummies that had like tasted good, but then oh, like, I think I know what you're talking about because the those bag do smell bad. weird. Yeah, yeah, but they're good. Yeah, uh, pineapple gummy bears, the clear ones. Those are by far my favorite of the gummy bears, but. Getting a whiff of the bag, yeah. I'm just like, this is a litter box. It's it's the weirdest thing ever. The sour Haribo or pineapple gummy bears. Are the when um, the pineapple jewel pods, when people would have those near me, I was like, somebody's cat pissed on their clothes. <laughs> and it was just the fucking pineapple. I don't know what it is. It's you weird. could have ran a smear campaign. It's on like in, instead of the cilantro soap gene, it's the pineapple piss gene. <laughs> That's it. At the very least, that is more catchy <laughs> and easier to remember. Your call has been forwarded to an automated voice messaging system. Wait, what? Jack, it's gonna... Is not available. At the tone, please record your message. Hello, callers. Welcome to We Will Call You Back, the only podcast where we call you back. And you're welcome for that. <laughs> you want to say hello to the people? Me? Yeah, you. Hello, people. Nice. Okay. First message is from Elizabeth May. Finally, what we have is someone talking about the paranormal. We've been we've been hoping for some of this. Yeah. Elizabeth says, Hi, Izzy and Jack. I feel like this is a safe space to unload my inner thought slash question. Thought. Singular. She has one inner thought. Just the one. It's about the paranormal, more pertaining to if ghosts even exist. To preface, I have never been religious, but I do believe in ghosts. People I have had this conversation with asked me, how can I believe in ghosts if I don't believe in God? I've thought about it and come up with a theory where maybe it just sounds more dumb than anything, but I think it's just fun to ponder. Whoever is being like, how do you believe in ghosts if you don't believe in God? That is such a dumb argument. You're conflating two things that have nothing to do with each other. You know how they say our brain will trick us into sometimes filling in the blanks or you'll find repetitive patterns that might not even be there? I always thought that the reason people see or hear ghosts is because we perceive pain and strong emotional energy, and our brain is basically filling in the blanks, because our brain needs to put basically a figurative finger on what it's perceiving. But that doesn't explain how we catch footage slash audio of them. Anyways, do you guys believe in ghosts? Have any ghost stories? Question mark. I think that's an interesting way to kind of sum it up. As far as, like, the belief in it? Yeah, just 
trying to separate religion from spirituality and finding some reasoning behind that. Yeah. I think that's an interesting way to put it. It's important. The, the separation of church and state Absolutely. and separation of church and ghosts. <laughs> Equally as important. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I grew up in the same boat where I my family wasn't religious, but my mom is very spiritual. And also, I feel like most like Mexicans, especially people... My mom was born in Mexico, mm-hmm. have a lot of ghost stories. of just superstition. Yeah, there's a lot over there. And so I grew up with, like, like you, your family, believed in God mm-hmm. as, like, a real entity. Yeah. And my family believed in ghosts as real entities. Uh-huh. Um, and so I never really gave it, like, that that deep thought because, for me, it was just always, like, they, they exist. And it's really hard, even as an adult, to talk myself out of that even if I could rationally explain any type of situation I've ever been in, I'm still like, but it was probably a ghost. Yeah. Because it's fun. It is fun. It's fun. I don't know. I have a, I, I, like I, I'm not saying, like I, what is it? Do I have any words? It's not that I don't believe in them. It's that for me to admit the existence in my own life, it would have to be like, undoubtable yeah. like in horror movies i would be a very frustrating character because i would continue to kind of probe the situation to try and get myself to a place where i'm like okay yes this is 100 percent a ghost mm-hmm. because there's just so many things that like you can explain away which is no fun but in real life but it's like it's not because it's not like i want to explain it away because i don't believe it's true it's like i want to explain it away so i can fail at explaining it away and be like okay cool this is for sure real you know what i mean yeah it's like the difference between like poking and poking at an argument because you disagree and poking at an argument because you want that argument to become stronger in some way well and it's also like it's scarier to think that every spooky situation you go into is some kind of ghost most people are trying to talk themselves out of that because yeah, rather not be scared. Because if life. ghosts were proved one hundred percent real, people would live like in fear. <laughs> yeah, it would be a different. It would be, a be different really, world. It would be a really scary world if we had to battle ghosts and demons. But I do believe in them. Um, I'm a strong believer, and I've never had a moment where I was like one hundred percent that was a ghost or that was some kind of like entity. But I do. I have had situations where it's they were just really hard to explain moments or really weird coincidences that it was like how did that happen at this moment when this other thing was happening Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah is that like um i don't think you told me the whole story the like the stuff with the spirit box in the cemetery yeah what was going on there when i was like 19 first of all do you remember um on YouTube, Graveyard Girl, Bunny. No. Okay. She She's still really famous. She was a super big YouTuber. But when she first started, she started her YouTube channel um, just off of paranormal stuff. So she would, like, go to graveyards. And, and I was really into the idea of, like, the paranormal. And so I would watch her videos and other people's videos. And I ended up going with my friend to the cemetery um, over in the East Bay in Oakland, there's this massive cemetery um, that's beautiful and it's open to the public. Mm-hmm. So we'd go hang out there. The Black Dahlia is buried there. 
Um, and we would just stomp around and <laughs> read gravesites and that was it. Uh, but around that time I got like a spirit box or like a, I don't remember what they're called. I think, I think it they're is called, called spirit, spirit boxes. boxes. They're just like recording devices that like translate the like radio frequency of how yeah. ghosts would speak and it, and then you can hear it through this little tape I, recorder. I do wonder like what is like the purported function of it like what radio frequencies is it picking up on because it does it doesn't pick up it's like it's not picking up like police chatter cb radios from truckers you know air traffic control it's not picking up used signals so is it only tuned to like unused radio frequencies Mm -hmm. like i'm curious what it is actually like picking up yeah and i'm sure there's people out there that could give you a very clear answer but i am not one of those people <laughs> yeah, I, didn't, I didn't expect it from you yeah i have no idea but it is interesting um and so around that time i had some weird things happen and it was because back then and when you approach paranormal things or haunted places um you're supposed to do it with a lot of respect to the people that have died or you know whoever you're inter- interacting with um, and it wasn't like I was being disrespectful, but I didn't really know the rules like around it. Like mm-hmm. when you go to a cemetery, you're not supposed to like take pictures like that kind of thing without asking for permission. Um, and so if you do little things like that, you know, it, you can kind of get bad luck sent your way. How would you know whether or not you were given permission after asking or is it more so I think just it's about just the, act the, the intent? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of like, I'm, I'm not here to. I had a friend that used to ask the flower permission to pick it. <laughs> what did the flowers say? I don't know, fucking like it was cute the first couple times, but then it kept happening, and I was then I got to a point where I was a little bit just like, dude, shut the fuck. Up. <laughs> That's funny. Like I understand, but shut up. Yeah, so similar. But it was a person that is like magic. <laughs> okay. It is the friend that like so I've they told they you could about hear the like, flower talking. Yeah, it's like believable. Yeah with all the other stuff that they were able to do. Mm-hmm. Nice. Go on. So similarly to the flower picking, um, I didn't know that. So I didn't go in there with like the intentions of making sure that the spirits knew my intentions. Anyways, I had weird things happen to me after, after I started doing that. Um, like I broke my ankle, but when I fell, I was on a run with my friend and my sister and, <laughs> when that happened, like I thought I got like pushed on the shoulder by one of them, but it turned out I was like 15 feet ahead of them. And then I fell and like really fucked up my ankle. And I had like, my sister had to carry me out of the woods to take me to go to the hospital. Damn. Um, and another really weird one was I came home from the cemetery and I was like, it was around midnight and I was on the phone with my friend And, like, out of nowhere, the call dropped on my end, but it started just making, like, a static noise instead. But it said call ended, but the phone call didn't, like, completely end on the iPhone. So it was, like, this static noise. And I was like, what the fuck? And so I, like, exited out of that and then tried to call him back. And when I called him back, it was, like, a busy signal. And then, um, like, five minutes later, he calls me. And he was like, what the hell happened? And on his end, the call didn't drop but it was just um, the static sound. Hmm. So it was my name still on the phone, static sound. And then he said he got like four calls in a row of me calling like over and over and he would decline it and immediately it would call back and he would decline it and it would call back. 
And so it was me on the line and me calling at the same time. Weird. And I, and me and him were like, that's fucking creepy. That's really weird. And that same night, um, like, it was also really weird. My, like, fairy lights that I had strung up in my room started, like, flickering on and off. Mm-hmm. So it was, like, one of those weird situations where it's, like, I can't – there's no way for somebody to prove, like, oh, that was a ghost. But happening, like, one after the another, after the big event of coming home from the cemetery with the spirit box was a really weird situation. So what happened at the cemetery? What happened with the spirit box? Nothing. I've never even, like, had success with a spirit box. It was just that, like, you're using it. It's kind of like a Ouija board of, like, you're using this tool as a tool of communication with the other side. And Mm -hmm. that's what opens the door for spirits to, like, latch onto you and try to communicate in other ways. With the spirit box, are you supposed to close that door? Is that, like... So you and you and your when friends. When you start at your session, any type of way with like communicating with spirit worlds, worlds, whatever tool you're using, you're supposed to openly start it with like, I'm trying to connect with somebody on the other side, and then you end it with, I'm like done. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm done. Go away. Did did you did you guys no. do either of that? No, gotcha. I didn't know. And so what happened? You and your friend go to the cemetery. Nothing at the cemetery ever happened. That was weird. But did you do it at a grave? Did you do it in the car? um, One time, this wasn't with um, my friend Kendall. This was with my other friend. Uh, But I took them to the cemetery and my big thing when I was 19 was showing people Black Dahlia's grave. Uh Um, And so I would always go to that gravesite and that's where we sat. And then other times I would just drive there and just lay on top of my car and just hang out at the cemetery. Mm Mm-hmm. That was it. Nothing weird ever happened at the cemetery. And so you did the spirit box. You did the spirit box at a specific grave? Yeah. What grave? At Black Dahlia's. So you did the spirit box at the Black Dahlia grave? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so you... I really wanted to talk to her. (laughs) Yeah. So you sit down, you turn it on. And nothing happens. Nothing happens. It's just static and... And then after how long did you turn it off? It was probably like five minutes. Gave up. Turned it off, turned around and left immediately? No, I, I, I hung out there. And it also wasn't just a one, like, I had gone to the cemetery multiple times with the spirit box. I only brought my friend once, though. I would go there a lot when I was, like, 19 and just hang out. It's, a, it's like, not creepy, though. It's, like, a really nice cemetery. Mm-hmm. People go on, like, runs and walks with their dogs and just, like, it's basically a park yeah. <laughs> at this point. Yeah. And so all the, is was that all the stuff that had happened in that kind of that that I can remember around that time that I had connected to that spirit box yeah um those were the big two things that stuck out for me of like ooh those were weird connections but I remember at that time I had like a bunch of little things also they say like bad luck just follows you like if you are being haunted or if you connected with like an entity that doesn't have like a good vibe or like being being a little bit too blase with yeah. you know connecting to the spirit that realm. was also when um i was driving my old car and i had two different tires blow out on the freeway while i was driving mm-hmm. it was around that time too again not related to the cemetery but it was like weird bad luck things that kept happening like that yeah a chunk of time where anomalies were coming at a rapid yeah at a faster pace in higher quantity and that coincided with when you were trying to use a spirit box at a cemetery without knowing the rules yeah gotcha so it was weird 
the most compelling part of it to me seems like the the feeling of like feeling like you got pushed. Yeah. That one was I think the the spookiest for me. And I know that when I was like I got I got pretty hurt and I was laying on the ground and at that point I think I was just like in so much pain and <laughs> like blacked out. But my my sister and my friend were saying that I was like saying really weird things too, which like kind of makes sense because I was dehydrated and on a run and it just like really hurt myself. Yeah. But they, I don't, I should call and ask my sister what I said, but apparently I was saying like weird things as I was passed out on the ground. You passed out from it? Like, no, I wasn't completely out, but like a brownout. Yeah, you're you're out of commission. Yeah. Like, I don't remember being carried out of the woods. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like, yeah, this is, this is something that goes directly into what this person asked, which is our brain filling in the blanks and find and putting patterns together where maybe there isn't one. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, that's kind of what makes it interesting too, Yeah, is that when so many coincidences and when you find patterns that just happen like that, I don't, I don't really like to believe that those things are just like unrelated coincidences. And that's mm-hmm. kind of how I've always lived my life of like, I don't know. It just it makes more sense for me to believe that these things are brought on by something than the other way around of it just being completely random. Hmm. Is that your only like personal experience or something like that? The other one that was spookier was when I was dating you and I was staying in Half Moon Bay. Oh yeah, that that came into my head too. And that house has weird vibes. <laughs> yeah, I was spooked over FaceTime. It turned out that the thing I was hearing that whole night when we were FaceTiming that was like scaring the fuck out of me was the rats. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You Not like rats, like vermin, where they had pet rats. The people that Izzy was house sitting. And yeah. the, they were really loud in their cage, but I kept hearing, but they were like in another room. So over the FaceTime, it sounded very like in the background, but very loud. And I just yeah. kept being awake and I kept trying to wake you up to be like, what is that? But you weren't waking up. I was spooked, but it was rats. Um, yeah, no, that house had some, some weird vibes and it wasn't like super like negative vibes. It just, oh, what I said when I was staying there, I was like the, what I get from this uh, like what feeling I get staying here is like there's like a prankster in in this house. Like mm. that was the vibe I ended up like leaving with. And the because, prankster wasn't Quigley. No, I wish <laughs> um, because everything that would happen just felt like like I was being like made fun of. Like it was like a yeah. mockery of like oh my god we just scared her. And again, this is just me filling my own head with. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> with things that didn't happen. Uh, but I had that one incidence where I woke up. Because I felt a dog like hovering over my head when I was sleeping on the couch because I was dog sitting. Um, And I remember saying, Cassie, go outside or like go away. And then five seconds later, like my eyes like shot open because I remembered that all the dogs were outside in the other room, in Mm -hmm. the back room. And I was like, that was fucking weird because I felt a presence right above my head and I could like feel breathing and I saw a shadow too. And all of this happened in like the span of like, at like three in the morning of me. Yeah. That was super creepy. Yeah. And that's probably the closest thing I've ever had to like 100% like, Oh my God, that was a ghost. But even then I'm not 
100% sure because I was so tired and I have a history of <laughs> blurring the lines between when you're asleep and dreaming and Absolutely. when you're awake. Yeah. So that it's like, well, that could have just been like if it was if it happened to you, I'd like 100% believe it mm. because that just seems more realistic for you. But my dreams are just so weird and What was weird to me is that you texted or called the people you were house sitting for and was like, "Hey, haha, LOL." Is your house haunted? Have you guys ever, haha, lol, experienced anything at your guys's house? And they were, and they like completely ignored the question and were like, "Yeah, we'll be back Thursday." Mm-hmm. That was weird. It was strange that they didn't Address message. It. Yeah, but also they like they're so like how do you explain that? Like science focused, like smart normal neurotypical but, but like, not like, even not even like a haha no like yeah. nothing like literally a- acted as if you didn't even answer ask that question in their defense that wasn't i don't think it was the only question i asked but yeah it was still like <laughs> you no lumped, answer the question you, you lumped it in with other stuff you're like so how do i turn off the <laughs> oven um the way you guys said is your uh, how much food does cassie get is the place haunted and yeah. when does mail come yeah so that was the only other situation I've had. It's <laughs> <was> like <laughs> Ooh, creepy. You ever, have you ever heard of that study where they like went around to like the world's most famously haunted places and like did tests on like what the like the stuff that the buildings were made of and how the buildings had deteriorated stuff like that did a test on what like ambient frequency that those places gave off Mm, i don't think i've heard of that specific so they would they were they would go to like famously haunted places you know old castles in england to old abandoned you know uh you know nun places in somewhere else to like you know infamous houses of like haunting stuff like that and they would like do these studies on the materials made the materials used in the making of the building and over time how those buildings deteriorated and so they would emanate a frequency and that frequency was all the same across the across them like you know like people say like listen to 230 hertz and it helps with sleep or yeah 350 and it helps with digestion or makes you feel calmer yeah. or more energized and they found that like the hertz that the all these famously haunted places uh had or whatever was an you know unperceptible frequency that instills fear in human beings that's weird. That like that's why that they the thing what they were positing mm-hmm. was that like the reason these are famously haunted places and everyone walks in and goes, Oh, you can just feel it is because yeah. the way the way the beams in the walls and the metal in the foundation and all that vibrates the way everything vibrates in the world gives off a frequency that makes people inherently feel afraid. That's pretty interesting. And so since everyone that walks in here is in a state of constant fear, anything that happens, period, gets put... Amplified. Yeah, yeah. gets put into this story of the things that have happened here. That's kind of like the um, Salem witch trials being connected to LSD leaking into the water. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
really makes you think. Think what? Bitches be crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever see that clip of the ghost, the ghost hunting show where they like, where the guy was like, the ghost just told me to drink this alcohol. No. It was so funny. You have to look at this clip. It's this guy. They're like standing in this room and there's a bottle of like whiskey on the table. And the guy like does one shot in some way to be like real, try to connect with this ghost. And then like in the voiceover, they're like, sometimes ghosts communicate by giving you urges, by planning a thought or an urge in your mind. (laughs) And then it cuts back and the guy's like, dude, I just got an urge. I want to drink the rest of that whiskey right now. That's funny. <laughs> All the comments were just like, me at 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I have seen that. So funny. That's funny. Ghost hunting shows are brutal. Yeah. Me and my roommate Brady in rehab would only watch ghost hunting shows. Speaking of him, that's – see the thing. So Brady – um loved watching ghost hunting shows and he we loved watching them together because we would just sit there and make fun of them forever Mm -hmm. but part of his story was of like a like attempted possession like his story of like addiction and whatnot came from like started with him in as like as a kid having these experiences where he's like I don't, I don't care if any of you believe me. Like this is like, cause we would all take turns like once a week, one of the people at rehab would do a share where they told their whole story of addiction and mm-hmm. stuff, you know, what brought them to recovery. And his was like, I don't, I don't really care if anyone believes me. I'm way past that. This is, this is just my story as I tell it. And he talks about like growing up and like, he, he like came out of the shower like screaming and crying to his mom because while he was in the shower these like like these like three scratches like showed up across his whole chest and like whatnot and that he always he always wears a cross and he's not religious his family's not religious at all but like during that process like his grandpa or his dad or someone like took this cross and was like I know no one believes you I know this is hard right now this is just something that I'm going to do right now. Like take this cross necklace, put it on, don't take it off. Speaking of like that, which is also really creepy and weird. And I believe the guy, I believe the guy wholeheartedly. Yeah. When somebody has that much, like, I don't know. It like almost is like trauma around it. Like you, it's like you have to believe them. Like, it's oh exactly. It literally, that's what it was. It was yeah. trauma. Like he was like shaking and crying, telling yeah. the story. Yeah. No, that's just that's just creepy, scary. Creepy, scary. Creepy, scary. Speaking of like, um, what the original question was based off of like religion and mixing with spirituality. Me and Jack have talked about this before because we're very into horror movies. Um, and one of my favorite, you know, subgenres is like paranormal horror movies. That's my only genre. It's like every single time you watch a, a horror movie or with anything around horror and demons, um, it brings in the devil and it brings in God. 
Um, and that always felt like so hard for me to fully enjoy because I'm like, I want to believe in this without having to accept the <laughs> the fact that God exists and, and the devil exists and or whatever. Yeah, it can it can kind of sour a movie for me if it's yeah, all if it's about super this like inhuman spirit and they're like, the only way the only way through this is Jesus Christ. But I, I'm like, that makes it less scary because there's you're putting these like very kind of simplified rules on it yeah it's very it's like james wan's movies of it is having to have this like (laughs) it is james yeah having to have this system where it's like we need to get him on the podcast (laughs) yeah really grill that motherfucker stop giving your shit happy endings yeah it fucking ruins it every time i want to see a family broken up yeah can you just kill ed and lorraine warren at the end of a movie please god um, but I, I've kind of been giving this more thought in the last few weeks about that idea. And I feel like with the idea that like holding the cross or saying like, you know, fucking Bible verses to the demons in and that, like sends them back to hell. If I had to break that down and explain it in terms that were non-religion, How I would kind of have to break that down is just, like, positive energy versus, like, negative energy. So you're putting all your positive energy into holding the cross or the Bible or reading these, like, verses. And you're using that as, like, your defense. It's, like, your positive energy against, like, the negative energy, which I could get behind. I do – I could believe that, like, a positive energy could – help destroy a negative one see i almost as far as it applies to ghosts i kind of like that less <laughs> than god and the devil i don't know why i i agree with you i think it, i'm thinking in, in a horror movie sense yeah and i'm not like, saying to rewrite horror if in paranormal in activity the priest came and was like actually this th- whatever is in this house it's angry i'm here and then after that they brought in some like white lady with dreads yeah i know it was just like We're... as i was saying it i was like this just sounds like oh uh, uh, yeah but like what i'm trying to kind of break down is like outside of like movies in hollywood and how like i was raised in like spirituality it is like all about like positive energy intention and intention and they idea of ghosts and an afterlife without the idea of religion um is really just about energy it's like Mm -hmm. when you die your energy doesn't die it goes somewhere else and so the thought process behind that it would just be that like positive energy whatever like source it comes from if it's like god or religion or if it's your dogs (laughs) or something else the positive energy would be the thing that's fighting off the negative energy in your life that's the only way I could explain it. Yeah. Yeah. I also like the way that she explained her versions of... Just as far as us picking up on, like, the inherent and errant frequency of, <laughs> like, bad energy or trauma or yeah. negativity caught in a space. Yeah. And then the thought is, like, so if that's what a ghost is, what is it that keeps that energy caught? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, like... That's the funny thing about, like, a haunted house is, like, this, like, terrible ghost that is born of a tragic and brutal death. This, like, unfinished business, terrible, twisted up dark energy is stuck in this house and it's haunted and it's so powerful. But I'm also just kind of like, but, like, it's being thwarted by the front door. 
that always get like I like I like it, but I also think to myself, I'm like, what is stopping it from going somewhere else? Like, why is that a thing? Why like what is yeah. if in that theory of ghosts being energy caught in a place what is the what is the thing that is catching them yeah you know what yeah. i mean i i feel like most people would explain it as like um the energy latches onto something dude i could we could talk about this forever i just thought of like three different things that i could talk about talk about them oh god i love talking about ghosts anyways i feel like it has to do with energy latching onto something um and like specifically with haunted houses i just think it has to do with like routine so if like you were a 90 year old man and every single day did the same thing in your house when you die your ghost would come up and you know start doing the same things they did inside that house that kind of thing but they can't latch onto things outside of the house, so they can't go outside. Yeah, it's you know? kinda, so it's like if it's the bad energy is trapped in this house, the bad thing happened here. Mm-hmm. If it left here, that's not where, like, for lack of a better word, that's not the scene of the crime, so it's lost. It yeah. doesn't have any, like, tether. Yeah. But then I think about, like, you know, the, the I don't know if it's the paradox or the parable of Theseus's ship. Mm-hmm. Do you know that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> let the record show she said mm-hmm, twice and then shook her head at me these the parable of the paradox of theseus ship is like a ship that was that needed to be repaired so they kept repairing it and then oh, it, i do know and it's like they take a bo- the old board away and put a new board in and at what point does mm-hmm. it not become the same ship at yeah. what point is a new ship and so like if there is that bad energy tethered to a place and it's it's being manifested as a ghost. But I think that's the point is that when you bring something else in, it can latch onto that. So you could rebuild the whole house, but as you're putting new things in, it can latch on to the new things you're bringing in. Even though that all that stuff came into the house after the ghost died and became a ghost. I I think so. Yeah, because the spirit would latch on to the new things. It's like. But it's going to have a stronger like, by this by this logic, or at least in this matter of thinking. I feel like generally the thought is the ghost is going to have a much stronger connection to the stuff that it interacted with when it was alive. See, I don't, I don't. Who fucking knows, dude? I yeah, know, no, it is ghosts. Idea. No <laughs> idea. I just, I wish, like, I do really wish there were answers for that. And there's so. Many times where I really wish that my, like, mental block around, like, paranormal things and spirituality wasn't, like, such a hard fucking brick wall because I would really like to just be more open to it. But What do you mean by mental block? I, I think in my heart of hearts, I'm, like, very scared of it. I'm just, I'm really, really scared of, of the paranormal. Being true and being real. So. And having to just encounter it. My mom and my grandma, those were the stories I, like, that popped up into my head. My mom and grandma don't have those mental blocks. And my mom is extremely, like, open to yeah. to spirituality. Yeah. And the stories that my mom and my grandma have are, like, what makes me so, like, hardline ghosts exist. Like, there okay. is some kind of afterlife with our energy um and i just i can't like i don't know this like the mental block i have around it i would like <laughs> need to go to like a somebody therapist literally that spe- that specializes in it to like 
start opening myself up to that, which I think one day I would like a lot. But it's to a do. scary possibility. It, it's like I think it is terrifying. There's a part of you that's like maybe I should just go ahead and leave this blocked off. Right. I am as perceptive as I am to it. Yeah. Anymore, I don't know if I'd be able to handle. It, yeah, it's 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 spooky. My it's um, like when it comes down to it, you know, you ask, you know, your mom and your grandma, would you? Do you think you would be happier if you were less perceptive? Yeah. Like, is there more negatives or more positives from oh, the fact that you're perceptive to the other other side? Both of their answers would be no. As in, as in, they wouldn't be happier. They're both very very at peace with <laughs> with the fact that they're there but do you think they've gotten more positives from it or more negatives probably more positives you think so i do hmm. i do think so the thing is i think the negatives hit you harder but there are more positives day to day with it hmm. the negatives are just very negative um my mom and my grandma both have very very spooky stories can i say them just really quick summarize them of course give us everything we could turn this into its own episode maybe we should just do that that's like... all we want <laughs> ghost stories from the oldest mexican woman in your family i if my that's mom, what people want if my mom wasn't so fucking long-winded on the phone i would call <laughs> her and say tell this story but it would take 10 minutes for her to get to the story it would take 20 minutes for her to be like so what is a podcast <laughs> <laughs> I love her so much and that's where I get it from where I'm so bad at telling stories I call her on the phone and I'm like holy shit Nancy um, so she has two really really creepy ones so my two uncles like say they don't believe in ghosts one of them is like really conservative one of them's really liberal but they're both very like science focused brains Yeah, and both of them are like oh we don't believe in ghosts like we're atheists but if you bring up one story that happened to the three of them when they were in Mexico, all of their faces just, like, go white. And they're like, yeah, we don't talk about that. Uh, they were staying in Mexico at one of their cousin's, like, old, old houses. And the room they were staying in, outside the window, there was, like, a quad. So it faced other apartments, but there was no way for anybody to be in that quad. It was kind of just, like, a, a small square. You know what I mean? But with no entrance to it from yes. anywhere. yeah. I think like laws around the fact that certain windows have certain rooms have to have windows, and so there's like a quad that faces yeah, yeah, like like apartment buildings in New York, and they yes. have that column of air going all the way up. Exactly. So there was no way for people to be in there, but there was a window that faced the outside. So gotcha. they're going to sleep. It's the three of them with their two cousins, and all five of them remember this story. Um, and they said they're falling asleep and they hear like footsteps and it sounds like it's kind of coming from the hallways, but they can't really tell. And they're all just like little kids and they're talking. And they said from the outside window, a shadow like was across the wall, moving across the wall. And it was a man in a top hat and he was walking, just like pacing back and forth. And they heard the footsteps that sounded like it was in the hallway, but they saw the shadow that was against the wall, just going back and forth. And my mom was the youngest of the five of them. And, and so I feel like that makes her like the one that's able to talk about it the most. And she was like, all of them who were like these tough, like nine, 10, 12 year old boys, just like fucking shat their pants and we're like what the fuck because there's this man in a top hat walking back and forth against their wall and that's one story that i'm like that's crazy that the five of them you could ask any of them and they all have the exact same memory of like what happened i'll I'm bring like, it up i'm like that's weird when i meet them i'll bring them up my mom's other story and this is like something that is really weird and like you can't 
talk to her about it. Like, I, I, I can't ask her about this. Mm-hmm. But she says that periodically through her life, she has, um, and it started when she was, like, seven, she has, like, a little boy, like, a seven, six-year-old boy that, like, comes to visit her for, like, weeks at a time. Ooh. And she says that he'll, like, pop up out of nowhere and she sees him and that he doesn't say anything. He doesn't do anything. He's just, like, an entity that's with her. And then he'll disappear for years. And then he shows up again. And that's very and she says it always, like, completely shocks her. And she, like, she says that she doesn't get a good vibe from it. And that's why, like, we can't ask her about it. Mm-hmm. But she says it happens periodically. And I think the last time it happened was, like, 12 years ago. Something about that story gets me. And that's creepy, right? Something about that story makes me feel like, should we stop talking about it? Because I don't want a little bit <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. And the little boy thing is interesting. It's like, is well, that is that, you know what I mean? Like, did you? Because it it started when she was like that age, so it was a kid like the same age as her. Was there? Did you have like a twin that died in utero? Right, like what? You know did what you I mean? Kill someone was there? Nancy? Oh shit! <laughs> no, that one gets me. I like that. Yeah, that, that would creepy. make a good horror movie of like showing someone growing up and all the different times that this spirit visited them for chunks of time and then there and that it always coincides with something in their life when the spirit shows up and then like it comes a time where it co the thing that the spirit showing up coincides with happens and the spirit doesn't show up or yeah. it shows up late and it's like different all of a sudden yeah no, that one's that, that one spooky. yeah that one has like a weird energy around it i had a i had a big uh I, I was big into ghosts growing up. Mm-hmm. I I had this thing in my head. You can ask any anyone in my family about the ghost. Of, <laughs> I named it the ghost of Maine. <laughs> like you Maine, told, yeah, you the state. And I would see bushes and I would be like, that the, the ghost of Maine's in there. Wow. And it was because I have this one memory from when I was very young when we lived in Petaluma. And I was on the bottom bunk of our bed. And it's like, you know, I'll never know if this was a dream. You know, odds are yes. But in my memory, it completely wasn't. And I remember going downstairs the next morning and we were having pancakes for breakfast. And I kept telling everybody what happened mm-hmm. the night before. And the memory was I was on the bottom bunk of the bed and I woke up and I sat up and I looked at our open doorway. The light was on in the hallway and I saw a figure walk past our doorway and the figure was made of tv static like that's what it looked like and it was a a figure of a person and it just walked by and that was it and i went out and i looked in the bathroom because that's the bathroom was right there where the ghost was walking towards and nothing was there and that's just the memory that i have and that and then for like years afterward as a kid Mm -hmm. i was like there are ghosts and i can feel the ghosts i used to do this thing when i was a kid when we moved to the where my parents live now I would go out onto the fire road and I would stand on this storm drain and I would like crouch down and close my eyes and look up at the hill and like hold my hands up and like feel all the ghosts that were in on the hill behind my house, all the ghosts in the forest up mm-hmm. there. That one I, I was definitely making up, but yeah. I was big into ghosts because of the ghost of Maine when I was a child. I mean, but that's still like kids are so intuitive with spirituality just like naturally too which also makes me like much more 
against having kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, way more like likely to believe that it's real just based off of the fact that like animals, they say naturally pick up on spirits and yeah. spirits and children naturally without anybody telling them what they are, pick up on on spirits. Like uh Chloe's partner Jonathan, Chloe's husband, Jonathan. Same thing. <laughs> if they're listening, I corrected myself. Um, partner doesn't mean not husband. No, I know, but I think I feel like newlyweds like to be like, "This is my husband. This is my wife." Ain't like that, ain't the, that the moment truth. that we get married, Jag. <laughs> but if someone called you my partner, I'd be like, I wouldn't be um, like my husband. I would never ever in my life be like, um. No, I wife. would never. I would never correct anybody about it. But just yeah, they, they just got married, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say Chloe's husband. Um, his story about being a little kid and seeing the cowboy in his like grandparents house or his parents house and then it turned out that the grandparent that he never met like dressed exactly that way like that shit is so cool to me i'm Dude, like kids cowboy ghost so yeah that'll cowboy, cowboy ghost, ghost classic kids are just so intuitive to to spirituality that it it makes me believe in the afterlife way more just off of the fact that or even just these the other, other like, place these much more innocent creatures are picking up on something that naturally as we get older we kind of shove down because we don't want to think about it then we get more rational yeah and we get smarter <laughs> uh yeah just think it's cool the last one is my grandma bought a dresser once and brought it into her apartment um, and would wake up in the middle of the night with a woman standing above her head. And so she said, I need to get rid of this dresser. And then they got rid of it and the woman went away. Yeah, that's scary. <laughs> yeah, that's scary. That's the third one. Don't like it. Yeah. Don't like it. Don't I, I think like I, it. I told the, my sleep paralysis last episode. Yeah. Trying to think if I have anything, any other experiences. I have stories like the same friend that would ask the flower to pick it. Yeah. Um, had lots of stories about that because their mom is a psychic that like makes their money like reading the astral charts, like the natal yeah. charts of like stockbrokers and doing readings for them. And she was, the mom was legitimately like fucking psychic. Yeah. Like could read everything off you in a second. I always, um, I think me and you talked about this, of, like, I was, like, why is every, like, famous psychic, like, a middle-aged white woman? <laughs> I was, like, it makes no because, sense. Because the women of color that are psychics keep it to them fucking selves. Know, <laughs> they don't go, honest. I can monetize this. <laughs> that is probably very true. I feel like that's so funny. I, yeah, I know. I, I believe it. But they had, they had multiple stories about, like, their old house. I remember I when I heard this story, I like wrote a version of it. It was in high school when I heard I wrote a version of it called The Boots in the Hallway and I put it on R slash no sleep on Reddit. But they really? had this they had these stories of the hallway in their old house. They would always hear these the footsteps of these boots coming up the stairs and walking up and down the hallway faster and faster until it's like the footsteps are like this thing is at a full sprint and then it would just stop dead mm -hmm. and that if you ever walked it like they never spent any time in the the little brother's room like the little brother was like like a kid in a crib like a baby mm -hmm. and every time you walked into the room you would immediately be like looking over your shoulder yeah was were the stories that they would tell me. That's creepy. Yeah. That's creepy. I, I was really into like spirituality in high school when I was friends with them. Yeah. 
and then I stopped. Yeah. No, I, I find it super interesting, um, as I've gotten older, just the differences in how, like, I grew up versus other people. Not that it's, like, a, like, a gatekeeping or bandwagon type of thing, but, um, I find it super interesting that, like, it's just how popular, like, astrology and spirituality have gotten in the past, like, few years just from social media. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, like, these things that people are hearing for the first time and learning about. And I, like, I really wonder what people would be like if they grew up around spirituality versus, like, religion. hmm You know? Yeah. Religion tends to... Uh shirk the existence of that kind of stuff yeah which is kind of why in horror movies it can feel out of place sometimes or not even out of place it can feel cheap yeah for some reason when i am too many rules as soon as there's rules on stuff like that that's where i'm like you're losing the plot yeah like that's why like astrology when people are really really into it gets to a point where i'm like no you've lost the plot yeah you don't understand that's why organized religion is so stupid of putting rules on god and it's like oh absolutely you think you're such a fucking genius that this huge gigantic otherworldly thing you can figure out yeah you know, you've you cracked the code on God. You figured out God. You will never That's... understand God. You will never know God. You will never comprehend God in the slightest. That's why, like, even sometimes spiritualism to me can feel like a waste of time. Yeah. Of trying to understand this fundamentally unknowable thing. And sometimes I feel like it gets construed, at least when I talk about how I believe and what my beliefs are, as the lack of belief. But yeah. I'm like, no, I believe in it in its most pure crystalline form to the degree that I understand there is no point in me even trying to interface or wrap my head around or communicate with this, what people would call God. Because mm-hmm. whatever it is, whether it's a being or a place or a energy or a feeling that we all tap into a little bit during and mostly after life would be just such a waste of my time because it's like I feel like we're not put like we're not put here to try and do something inherently impossible Mm -hmm. in my mind that's why like I and it feels insulting when I when I say like, oh, it's a waste of time, whether it's organized religion or some forms of spirituality. But I'm like, but I almost mean it as a compliment to be like the thing that you're so devoted to or believe so deeply in is so true and is so right and is so real that it's beyond what even what you think it is. Yeah. That you can focus on other things and know it is as inherently a part of your life as the fact that you breathe. Yeah. That it's going to happen regardless whether you're noticing it or not. Yeah. And it's that in the same way it would be a waste of time to focus on every in-breath and out-breath. It is a waste of time to focus on the God or lack thereof or the God's wants or needs in your life. Because it's there whether you like it or not. 
whether you care or not. So focus on other stuff. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Those are my beliefs. Or I just thought of another... Um, I wish I wish I had stories that were specifically my own, but it's always like someone else's. But one of my like best friends growing up had these stories of when uh, his little brother was younger. He would always talk about the old man that would show up in his room, this old man that would show up like from time to time at night, and they and they thought always that he was just you know playing make believe, and they would go in and be like, "Come on, you gotta you gotta stop playing. It's not playtime. You gotta go to bed." And he'd be like, I'm not, it's not playtime. Like I'm trying to go to bed and this guy shows up and wants to hang out. Like we're trying to talk. Um, and so it kept happening and they never believed it. And then there was just like one time that the mom went in to be like, Seth, you got to go to bed. And the, and Seth's like, it's not me, it's him. And the mom like turned around and said that she like saw the like shadowy face of a man like 3D from the corner of the room, like fade back into the corner and disappear. That's creepy. What would you do if you had a, a kid and had that situation happen? Take him out behind the barn, put him down. Interesting. Like a horse with a broken leg. Yeah. I don't know what I would do. You'd kill your child? No, because that would just create another ghost. It's true. It's the opposite of what you want. In that situation. Are you filming me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to post a story. Trying to get this this answer on, on the record just in case. Just in case we ever decide to have kids and I kill it. Mm-hmm. You're like, it was a ghost. He's innocent. It was self-defense from ghosts. Exactly. And I wanted to get a fun clip of you to post. And then we did get... A, we did also get... A scary story after we asked for it. This was from Ruben. Ruben says we have a really strong start. So Ruben's scary story was, is, when I was a kid, I used to have sleep paralysis slash nightmares, nightmares almost every night or every other night from the ages of 9 to 14 and then once as a 16, 17-year-old. Most of the time, it would be the normal can't move, can't open my eyes, and a feeling of paranoia type of sleep paralysis. But there was a few times where I could feel something, someone in the room with me. The first time, I heard something shuffle around in my bedroom, and I had a fucking messy-ass room, so there was usually a lot of noise if someone would be in there. This time, it was different. Not like footsteps trying to avoid my mess, but it sounded big and sweeping, like a cape or fabric whooshing over trash. This experience only lasted a few minutes, and I was able to wake up and look around. Nothing. Another time I had sleep paralysis, I was on my side facing the wall. I was on my side facing the wall, and I felt big, heavy breaths right behind my head, like someone took the deepest breath they could and let it all out in one go through their mouth over and over. I could feel it ruffle my hair with every disgusting breath, and I could feel the mattress sink behind me like someone was laying down. I couldn't move at all but I had trained myself that if I calmed down my breathing, I could eventually be able to move again. I was like this for a few minutes, but when I sat up to look around, of course, no one was there. The final time I had sleep paralysis, I was a teenager, about 17 years old. Same thing, sleeping on my side, facing the wall, and I wake up and can't move. This time, it felt like the normal type, so I was doing my breathing exercises to calm down and go back to sleep when I heard someone else's voice in my head. It was the deepest voice I've ever heard. No one in my life had that voice. It was louder than my own thoughts, and even if I wasn't in paralysis, I'm sure I would have been able to move regardless. That's how powerful this voice was. 
I'm going to make you fucking scream, it whispered, the voice filling up all the space in my head. It just I just laid there, panicking as I felt this overwhelming presence in my room and awfully in my mind. Yeah. Somehow, I was able to calm down enough to break the sleep paralysis, go to my parents, and beg to sleep in their room. I was terrified to go sleep for weeks. No, luckily, nothing like that has happened since. Sorry for the long message, but I just like talking, I guess. Heart emoticon. Hope to hear back from y'all. Love you. Your fave, Ruben. Ruben's our fave, apparently. That's spooky. That is spooky. That is spooky. Sleep paralysis is interesting to me because it's always spooky, but it's because it's such a widely known and accepted thing, it's not spooky. Yeah. Like a bad one was a friend of mine, uh, their sleep paralysis demon was always the same. And it was like a naked, gangly, pale girl, like sitting on her chair, like crouched with her hair over her face. That's terrible. Luckily, yeah. mine was has always just been like a dark shape, like nothing ever like specific enough to be like this is what the thing lo- person looks like. It's like it's just a a dark figure. Yeah, I've never had um, a sleep paralysis like demon like mm-hmm. that because your eyes don't open. Because my eyes don't open, but I'll have sleep paralysis. I know that I'm having sleep paralysis, and I'm asleep, and I have, like, a nightmare that's going along with it. And the only other situation I had was, um, like, the sleep hallucination where I woke up and I saw, like, the the woman standing at the foot of my bed that we Mm -hmm. talked about last episode. Um, But I've never had, like, a sleep paralysis demon like that. But I get sleep paralysis a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. I've had a lot of sleep paralysis. Um... And it's never not terrifying. Like, it fucking shakes you to your core. It's scary every time. fucking shit. Like, that was, like, (laughs) like, nothing can justify that feeling, even though, like you said. It's it's, so widely understood. Yeah, Yeah, but it's fucking scary every single time. It is. One thing that, like, kind of going along with the spirituality thing, too, um, and, like, with nightmares and sleep paralysis and just dreams in general... Is, like, there's a lot of, there's, like, so many books and things you can read about, like, dream interpretation and nightmares and and just your sleep in general. One thing that always stuck with me um, with my mom and how she interprets dreams is that um, how you feel when you're dreaming and how you feel when you wake up are very important to the context of your dream. Mm -hmm. So even if you dream about something that, like, should be really scary, like a bunch of spiders or whatever if you wake up not feeling scared but feel something else like Mm -hmm. you should really hold on to the feeling that you had in the dream or when you woke up which i think is is pretty interesting too and something that i still do like to this day yeah that makes sense it's the same like the same way that like in your dreams you can know a thing is true without seeing it Mm -hmm. you know what i mean where it's like i know that this person is my mom in this dream like in my dream my mom is right there even though in the dream it doesn't look like your mom it doesn't talk like your mom yeah like it's a lamp even like i know that this lamp is my mom i just know that because your brain knows it inherently it's the same thing of like your brain subconsciously being able to like separate reality and dreams and like make an opinion about that that is like something that's easier for your 
awake, conscious, lucid brain to comprehend. Yeah. Did that make any sense? It did. Gang. Gang shit. Thank you, Izzy. I love making sense. Is that what we got on the topic? Are we moving on? I think so. All right. Well, for the person, Ruben, thank you for calling. Love you. Bye. And the person that initially wrote in about this stuff, let me find you. Elizabeth, thank you for calling. Love you. Bye. We love you so much. Bye. (laughs) Our next caller asks us, how many times would you have to find seagulls in your house before you got suspicious that someone was putting them there? The average answer that they've gotten is three times. Do you have an answer for that? I think that's the correct answer. I think To get to the point where it's like a person, a human being is doing this. Well, I think one important factor would be the frequency of the seagulls. Like if it's happening back to back, like every single day there's a seagull in your house, then three. Yeah. Call it days in a row. Yeah. If it's happening like months, weeks years in between it would be a lot more seagulls i think i think i might get there at one so when you find one seagull in your house in my and house you're like someone put this here because yeah because when i think about Ooh, it okay. are the windows open like are exactly like, how did the seagull get in if i room? if i come out in the morning and i see a seagull in here i'm gonna go how did that well first i'm gonna be like hey get out of here and then I'm going to be like, well, how did that happen? We have security cameras. We lock the door every night. There is no feasible way for a bird to get in here, period. We never open any windows, ever. It would have to be someone deposited this bird. Or it hatched. There's an egg, but it's not a baby seagull. So it's a, <laughs> that's an adult seagull if I've ever seen one. Yeah, I mean, And I've seen a few. Putting it in those terms specifically for how we live yeah i think one seagull showing up here would be very weird but i think it would still take two the in the house at least two is important because there's a lot of it's kind of like the same with the ghost there's a lot of things we could say that would justify but there's no way for a seagull to get in in here without us noticing if it was just an open door an open window but we say that now but if we found (laughs) a seagull in here we would do a lot and say a lot to justify it we'd be like oh maybe like my back was turned when i let piggy out and a seagull flew in and hit like we would say a lot of things to justify it i I think think i think it would take two i think i'd immediately be like this is a human being someone put this eagle in here seagulls do not fly quietly they're not owls. <laughs> yeah, I know, but still. Speaking of owls, there's another question like this that is just, how many owls would you have to see? You see one owl a day. Or like, how many, what I think maybe it was, how many owls do you have to see in one day for you to be like scared or like think like something was up? happening. That That's more. Probably like five or six. I know. I'm, I might get up there. I don't know if I would... I don't know if any amount would make me go like something's wrong. I, yeah. I feel like right. at twenty, I'd be like, "This is the best day." <laughs> yeah, it would take a lot. After like four, I'd be on the lookout for more. Yeah, I'd be, I'd like, be like, "I'm gonna see how many I can count." Yeah, I'm gonna go for the record. Yeah, but like I don't. I agree Twelve owls. Yeah, I wouldn't. 
immediately assume there was like an apocalypse or something. Yeah. <laughs> the owls are speaking it's to like there must be just a lot of mice around here. Yeah. This is tight. Yeah. Fuck yeah, love an owl. Mm-hmm. Gotta love an owl. Owls are wise. There's hawks that hang out on the power lines along the um the like one lane highway on my way to work. Every day I see them. It's really cool. They're sitting up there looking down at the brush, waiting for mice. Gonna go. One day I swear I'm gonna see one dive bomb. It's gonna be sick. <laughs> That's I'm funny. Crash my car. Looking at it. But there's my answer. One seagull. Yeah. One seagull in the house. Okay. For the record, I don't believe him. I I'm gonna go find a seagull and put it in the house. And I will be 100% correct. I'll be like, you did this. <laughs> One seagull. I have the culprit right here, Tizzy. I was correct. <laughs> no, I <laughs> you just proved know. me right. You think you put a seagull I in know, here? Jack, I'm gonna be like, left the window no, open. Jack, I know that if you found one, let's not say seagull. Let's just say bird. If you found a bird in here, your first thought wouldn't be somebody put this bird in here. The no, the seagull angle is important because that's not a small bird. If I if we found a tiny little sparrow, then I'm like, okay, this more tiny little sparrow. I would be like, okay, that was, I know how that happened. I was letting Piggy out this morning to go potty. I left the door open and I was half asleep standing here on my phone and it went in behind my back. All right. Little Sparrow, the, the, we can get away with a couple. Seagull, one. One and we have a culprit. We have a, a criminal on the loose. <laughs> Okay. Is that technically vandalism? No. Putting a seagull where it don't belong? That's bestiality. <laughs> <laughs> it's safe, though. Seagulls have flared bases. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, uh, caller about seagulls. Love you. Bye. All right. Next question is from Tyler. Tyler says, what's your experience with imposter syndrome? I kind of love this question. Why is that? Because I have a lot of experience with imposter syndrome. And we're going to get through this whole segment without making any Among Us jokes. Deal? That's funny. Deal? I didn't even think of that. Yes, deal. Okay. <laughs> I, I already think it's difficult. <laughs> I was trying to think of an imposter. Or a In, yeah, immediately. I like, That's sus. That's all <laughs> I can think of. <laughs> Red is sus. <laughs> um, not with anything content creating, like TikTok related. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't really feel that way. In fact, I feel like the opposite. Like I have thirty seven thousand followers, mm-hmm. which like is like a relatively decent amount of. That's followers. a solid amount. I in my head, I'm like I have five. Yeah. I have five people following me. It's embarrassing to make content. I don't, so I have, like, the opposite. But with, in the dog training, like, my profession is, I'm a dog trainer. Yeah. In that world, I feel imposter syndrome every single day of my life. Yeah. I feel like there's so many incredible people that I've learned from or just around me in the dog community that makes me feel like I shouldn't be charging what I charge or I shouldn't be doing what I do because I don't have the skill set that they do. Not even because I don't have, like, the education, but just because I I didn't have, like, the years of dedication to it. Like, there's trainers that have been 
doing this for 30, 40 years and I'm like, I'm five years in. Yeah. <laughs> like that to me feels like I don't know what I'm doing. But at one point they had, they were five years in. Yeah. And I'm learning from these people that have been doing it for years and years. So my yeah. knowledge is, you know, from the people that have, have accumulated all of this, mm-hmm. all of these skills. And I try to think of it that way. But it did really hit me, especially like my first year working for the biggest company in our area. I was like, I am not deserving of this because these people deserve somebody that's been doing this for longer. Even if I have the same skill set, I'm like, but I've I've been at it for a year. And they deserve somebody that has worked with more dogs, yeah. worked with more people. But the only way to get there is by working with people. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my experience with it. That's the only place that you really feel it? Imposter syndrome? Yeah. Yeah. That's hmm. it. I want to put something right before this conversation. Just like a Disclaimer. general content warning for mention of eating disorders, mention of gender, sexuality, dysphoria, and genitalia. I think my, my main, I feel it most in like my identity of being queer Oh, that's interesting. Which is like when I when I came out, it was um, I came out between first and second year of acting school, and then and like at acting school, there wasn't a whole lot of eligible males. There was one gay man there. Shout out Josh, um, <laughs> and it was a podunk butthole town, and nothing to do and no time to do it because acting school was six days a week like 9 a.m to 5 p.m or 9 a.m to 10 Mm p.m and then like homework if you got if you got off at five you had like lots of homework to do and shit like that so there was like i came out and then my life didn't change at all because i had no life like there was no like dating or anything like that and then I got back from acting school, moved back up to the Bay Area, started working at the gay bar with my older brother, Dominic, who was uh, bartending there. And he, I mean, it, it, it did wonders for me as a queer person, like being able to be welcome in this queer space, but also like have an excuse to be there. Like I was there because I worked there. Yeah. There was one straight man that worked at the gay bar and his name was Steven. And uh, he was tight. He did all this stuff that no one else wanted to do. Uh, And then, and so like, I don't know, it's hard to explain how I like, I felt both very welcomed there, but I was also very intimidated. I was also very scared of all these, of all these men in this building. Mm -hmm. And I like, I don't know, it was difficult for me. But then, so I, over that time, I had all, all my experience newly newly out as a queer person and then kind of met you and and now I'm gonna marry you and so it's it's strange to be and obviously you relate to this as well but it's strange to be a queer person in a at least uh you know relationship that is perceived as heterosexual yeah and so then it feels weird. Like I start to feel like, well, once I've been married to Izzy for 10 years, like... Am I no longer queer? Yeah. yeah. Or like, not even am I no longer queer, but like, am I 
removed enough from the queer world and the queer community that like I'm not welcome there anymore, even though it's something I relate to and and uh, identify with mm-hmm. and identify as. And I feel I also kind of like with my gender feel very strange. Feel very, especially like right now, I'm going through a a, a phase in my life where my gender identity is very confusing. Mm-hmm. And like I've for a long time, I felt like my experience in my in my gender identity is most akin to the experience of people that are non-binary, but I don't change anything about my pronouns or or I don't like like I do identify technically as non-binary in my in my heart of hearts, but I don't actively do it socially out of I like it, it's disingenuous for me to say I don't you know, go by they, them pronouns out just purely out of laziness. But there's a part of me that's like, I feel like sometimes the approach to non-binaryism ends up reinforcing the gender binary. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know, the need, and this is obviously like no disrespect to anyone who does go by they, them pronouns. Like, Because like, it is something that I identify with. But there's a part of me that feels like if I personally were to pull myself out of the gender binary, it reinforces it by like putting it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I don't even know. That's that's like exactly how I feel about it too. Yeah. It's like, I don't, I feel, I don't feel like I need to have different pronouns than what people perceive me as because they perceive me as a way and they call me a thing, but I'm like, but the word they just called me, man, him, can mean whatever I want it to. Yeah. And so, like, I almost feel, like, in a weird place with, like, my uh, my want to be more feminine and my gender identity feeling not fully expressed went – not fully expressed – and like I would be expressing it more and more being more true to myself if I was more feminine in all these different ways. To the point where I almost feel like I would be happier like if I transitioned or if I was able to try transitioning. Mm-hmm. And it's like and I and I feel very like scared even about saying that because I don't want it to come from a place or like sound like I'm taking the experience of trans people and making it smaller by yeah. being like, it's something I should just try. Like kind of like the same thing as like straight women that go to gay bars mm-hmm. and, or like straight women that are like, I'm straight, but they talk about that. They're, but they're always like down to like kiss a girl, like stuff like that, where it becomes, it's like, you don't understand. You don't get to be a tourist in this life. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Where it like feels disrespectful or tokenizing to like the lesbian community when a straight woman kind of does that. And so I do, so I feel weird talking about it. And this is the first time I've really like said it out loud, honestly. So it's, I'm, so I feel very, imposter syndrome is something I feel a lot of when it comes to being someone with a queer identity or someone who identifies as queer. Yeah. Because I feel like my experience is not enough in any direction to identify in any way that anyone else identifies. Yeah. No, I think that's 
super important too. Because, I, and like I didn't really relate imposter syndrome to anything revolving around sexuality or like my gender identity. Just because in a weird way, I feel like the opposite to you. Um, like we've talked about like growing up, I, I, I've never in my life felt super drawn to like my identity as a woman mm-hmm. or my sexuality. Like that's never been like a thing in my head that I'm like, this is part of my identity. Um, and so growing up and just kind of like losing it and like there was a really big chunk of my life where people would meet me and just assume that I went by they, them. And like I do, but like not enforced, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it was like the opposite of an imposter syndrome in the way, <laughs> like, I don't know. I've just never felt like I, I don't know. Maybe it's the same. I just never felt, felt, I never felt like I met the characteristics of it because I didn't want to like, I'm like, I I don't feel the need to enforce it. So I don't. Is it, is it kind of like my difficulty is the fact that I feel pulled in multiple different directions by my gender identity in, in kind of equal way that I feel like I'm not a part of any of those directions. And for you, you feel not pulled in any of the directions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I that's feel, what I meant by the opposite. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like I feel so squarely in the middle because I feel like I'm reaching out towards these different identities and you feel squarely in the middle because you're not reaching out to different identities. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and then I, I, and then like the imposter syndrome kicks in and I feel like someone's listening and like some person that in the trans community is listening and is like these two fucking cis people in a hetero relationship talking about this. Yeah. And I feel like for me specifically, I just, I know that there's people that day-to-day life is a struggle because they don't, like, feel content with who they, like, what, I don't know how to word that, just, like, they. With, like, gender assigned at birth versus, or, like, their physical body versus their gender identity that they feel. Yeah, exactly. Um, And even though I don't feel like super drawn to the fact that I was born a woman and I don't feel drawn to any like identity or sexuality, like literally my whole life, even to this day. And I know that this is like viewed as um, like biphobia of Mm -hmm. like women that don't want to call themselves bisexual because they're like, I don't like that word. Mm -hmm. And I try to like really like think about that of like, why, why don't I like that like label on Mm -hmm. me? But I've, I've like never once called myself bisexual Mm -hmm. just because like something about it doesn't feel right with like who I am and how I feel. Yeah. I don't even like, like I prefer just queer over bisexual by a long shot. I do too. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just, I know that there's people that like go through a day-to-day struggle with, with all of this. And because of that, I'm not like broadcasting any of the things I'm going through because I don't need to, you know. I'd yeah, and it also has fun. to do with your environment. Yeah, it's just like I, I'm okay with where I'm at right now, but I don't feel the need to like have to change anything about it, which is like a privilege. Yeah, yeah, that that is also a part of it is feeling like I'm an impo- like imp- 
because the queer community is a marginalized community, being someone that is so privileged, being a cis white assigned male at birth person living in where we live in the liberal state of California, because the gay community is a marginalized community, I feel like any action on my part to be a part of that community or be active in that community or be at home in that community is like, it's not the right word, but almost like gentrifying. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, yeah. So that's difficult for me. And then, and, and then I go to this place of like, that's difficult for you. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, poor you. Yeah. The but fact I... that your privilege makes it hard <laughs> to be there is yeah. difficult. I also have this feeling of like, it's almost like, like FOMO of like, I, I have, I don't know. I'm in my late twenties now. And I, I think about my like partners in the past and like, at what point I realized that I was like not straight and the fact that like my friend group isn't like I mean we live in the bay and my friend group is spread across the country now Mm -hmm. and I don't mean FOMO in in the way of like I wish I was dating a like a a woman I mean it in the fact of like my community and my like close-knit friends Mm -hmm. I'm like oh I kind of wish that like when I was younger I had reached out to like the the queer community and like made connections in the way that you have them now yeah Yeah. where I'm like oh man like that that kind of sucks yeah, it's you know it is strange, especially because like I went through my coming out when I was twenty one, and so that was still formative enough. Mm-hmm. But there's like you get to a place where you're like I, I, I can feel the absence of having formative years in a queer space. Yeah, and it almost feels like there's this thing of like I feel like people who are more squarely comfortable and squarely identifying in the queer community, there's like that FOMO or that jealousy. Cause it's like, it feels like you have it figured out. Like it feels like, you know, your identity, like my older brother, Dominic, he is a gay man. He's queer as a $3 bill. He's, a, he's gay as the 4th of July. And he's just a, I don't even, like, I don't even know how to say it. He's just like a, Good old American gay man. Yeah. <laughs> he's a meat and potatoes gay man. Yeah. And there's a part of me that feels that feels jealous of that because it feels like he is happy in his skin in that way, in a way that I am not. Yeah. And I'm like, is it because and it is like internalized quote unquote biphobia of being like, is being bi identifying as queer. I'm like, is this a half measure? Am I being a pussy? Yeah. Like it's very strange. I feel like I feel like imposter syndrome is uh, very common in people that are bi. And I almost don't yeah, and I f- agree with you almost like in in kind of not liking the word bi just going by like queer. But I also feel like I feel like in a perfect world. I hold on. I do want to state like specifically with the word bi, it's not even that I don't like it, but it's just that it doesn't feel like it fits me. Totally. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I want to make that really clear. Yeah. It's like, not that we I don't like, like the word. that it exists. Yeah. <laughs> as in, I just don't it's know. like, it doesn't fit. Like, yeah. it doesn't feel like it fits. Yeah. I understand that. In a perfect world, we wouldn't need all the, all the labels. We need some. 
because socially, the only thing that labels exist for is just so you can know who a person is when someone else is just talking about them and when you are introducing yourself to someone. Just it is a social shorthand created by the human race to be able to know if someone is a friend or an enemy, to know if someone is uh, uh, platonic or romantic, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's like in a perfect world, we would be at a place where no one needed to opt out of the gender binary because there was no gender binary, but inherently there is. Yeah. It's like, People are born with this genitalia or that genitalia or a mix of the two in the case of like being intersex. Yeah. It's like in a perfect world, that biological scientific fact would exist. You're born with the physical body that you're born with, but nothing got attached to it. Mm -hmm. No social status. Could you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) Like nothing, nothing was built around the biological fact of the meat sack your mama made. Damn. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where I I get to that place where, like, I almost feel like voicing my beliefs on sexuality starts to come off as homophobic, transphobic, biphobic. Yeah. Because I'm – it almost feels like I'm invalidating it, but it's like, no, like, I feel like – the response to sexism and homophobia and transphobia inherently, like the same way I feel about the gender binary. And it's like, if only we, it, it could be not even past that, but before that, mm-hmm. if it was cut off in the development of our society that we like stopped and we're like, Hey, you're getting, you guys are getting pretty into this whole boys versus girls thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I like I feel very a very similar way about race when people start bringing up like a specific race is like this or like that in this situation. And it it almost like I always relate it weirdly to working retail where people are like you know it's you're like you're doing this or you're a, a racist a racist person's perception of this race is this in this situation and it's just like you no know, like every human being is just a human being and like every human being has the capacity to be an asshole and be amazing and be sexual and be non-sexual. Do you kind of get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. It's getting to this place of like, and it almost feels basic, like too basic to say it of like, everyone is equal. Like everyone, all everyone is created equal. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. But I get what you're saying. And it, it's, like, one of those confusing things, too, because it's, like, the labels exist for a reason, and we need the labels, but the labels can almost create more of a divide, exactly. like, within our own communities, Exactly. Too, which makes it hard. Mm-hmm. Hard to navigate. And then perceiving a label as acting in a certain way. Yeah. It's, like, we need the labels and we use the labels to relate to each other and understand where everyone stands. Yeah. But then it's like, but then you start attaching things to those labels that while some are true, like objectively true about certain groups of certain communities, it's like, 
yes, a lot of this community acts in a certain way. It's like, yeah, that's why they are that community. They have something in common. Yeah. But then you get to a place where it's like now it's being seen from the outside and it's prejudice. Yeah. And it's like how to circumvent that without taking away the community's ability to relate to each other. Right. Yeah, it's rough. (laughs) Did we get away from imposter syndrome like a lot? I don't think so. I think that all kind of came right back around. Yeah. You made me like relate imposter syndrome. To sexuality and gender. Something that like I was like I didn't even realize that was sorry in my head yeah great now i have something else to fucking think about (laughs) about that (laughs) no i think that was good yeah i think wrap it up my ideal body is penis boobs fat ass that's basically what you have (laughs) oh you're so nice to (laughs) me no that's one of the greatest things about you is when i first i don't know why you want well i know why you want boobs Boobs are one of the best things that humans ever have. I'm sorry, but, like, no. It's so funny. Jack wants boobs, and I want to have mine removed. I'm also joking. (laughs) I also, it is also luck of the draw. I'm happy with my meat sack, and I always will be if I I can can help it. We can cut that out. No, we don't have to cut that out. That is funny, though. I've thought about having my boobs removed. You've also thought about having them augmented. I'm just not happy with my body, okay? <laughs> yeah. And that's And why, so it's not what the change why, is, it's just that a change is happening. Basically. But yeah. that's also why I don't think I could ever actually go through with any kind of surgery on my body. Because then it's your fault. No, not that. But because my, like, brain switches so much on, mm-hmm. like, what I want my, like, identity to be perceived as. Where sometimes, like, I'm like, yeah, I do want to show my boobs, like completely and other times i'm like i wish there was nothing yeah, to get him out of here like what the fuck yeah. is and it just is like a complete flip-flop it's wild yeah it does have to do with like my weight though i've noticed that like mm. when i'm like at my thinnest i'm like i want to be a man and when i am weighing more i'm like i i have boobs and hips i guess i have to <laughs> wear a skirt it's really it's really shitty yeah gotta work on that yeah, especially how all that stuff starts to play into like how insidious like eating disorders are it's, in our it's society. So, my brain and disordered eating. My brain body is image. a wasteland. Yeah. It's fucking horrible. It's it's hard out here. Yeah. That was Tyler. Thank you for calling, Tyler. Love you, bye. Our next caller says Hi. Too bad I missed you. Oh, thank you for playing along with the whole phone call gag. Anyway, sorry. too bad I missed you. I just need a little help. I have a kind of hard name to pronounce. It's Mexican. I can tell because of the Mexican flag in the emoji right here. Anyway, not many people try, so I'm correcting people a lot on my on both my name and my pronouns, which gets kind of tiring. I tell myself just not to sweat that small stuff, but so much of it makes you feel pretty grody after a while. Any advice, question mark? For context, my name's Isiana, or I'll offer Ixie as like a nickname. So I get the confusion with the X, but I've gotten in whole arguments after correcting people, which is wild to do. Having to correct someone when you tell them the proper way to address you is a wild thing. Yeah, I can't. Like, for them to argue with it? Yeah. When it comes from like a transphobic place, it's like, are you stupid? 
Your name's Robert and you tell everyone to call you Bob. We're literally doing the exact same shit. It's just how you fucking really like but address I'm me if that's like like it absolutely could totally be a, a transphobe thing but i feel like that's more of like a racist thing of like when it comes to when it comes to their name yes yeah that's what i i mean of like saying my name and somebody correcting it and being like actually like what i was saying about my brother of how somebody said that me and my sister say his name wrong and i was for like, context y'all his name is fucking Ian. I was like, sorry? How do you even say <laughs> Ian wrong? Like, what are you... D- yeah. Yeah, that girl was fucking it's off. Like, situations like that where it's like, that's that's weird, but okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah, such a, such a weird place to be in. Um. As far as, like, energy spent, though, like, I personally think that energy is well spent correcting people with your name and your pronouns and mm-hmm. it's like i don't know i don't remember who said that quote but i saw it on tiktok where it's like if white people can learn how to say charcuterie they can learn how to say your name yeah and i i mean i think that is extremely valid and fair of like they they have <laughs> white people know how to speak <laughs> they know how to read <laughs> yeah they can absolutely learn to say your name they just don't want to yeah. so and the so argument thing, them. to argue with it after the fact is insane yeah. of being like i'm assuming these people that isiana has gotten in a argument with is being like well no because an x doesn't sound like that and it's like when you were a kid, you probably pronounced it xylophone, and then you find out it's xylophone. Like you understand, yeah. So many fucking letters have so many different sounds. It, it's just so insane to you that you didn't know about this sound that this letter makes in a different fucking language. Like, what are you talking about? I feel like people you're not. Like- you're not arguing for grammatic correctness. You're arguing it because you don't like brown people. Yeah, I think people have a really hard time too, just with like being wrong. Like, yeah, it, it, people just take that like so hard and it's like, it's not that big of a deal. And it's not even like you were wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's like degrees of, you know, someone quote unquote being wrong. Yeah. But it's just like being corrected. Yeah. People it's just like, like people, when you correct somebody, it's like inherently like, oh, they're trying to like offend me yeah. like, when you correct. And it's like, no, it's just like, no, you, I'm just you giving you better information. I'm giving you information. Yeah, I think it's energy well spent though correcting people. Yeah, personally. it's the same thing. It's the same thing with this girl that like that just got fired from my job that like it's one of the biggest red flags is you would tell her how to do something correctly and she'd immediately launch into that she already knew that and she and she only she oh she only messed up this time or she only did it wrong this one time for this reason and it was just kept being like girl like no one's persecuting you. I'm just telling you the correct way to do it because yeah. that's my job right now. I'm training you. It's the yeah. same. It's the same thing of like you you are showing your cards a lot by not being able to just accept having better information now. Like yeah. no one was like, you're fucking wrong and you're stupid because of that. It's just like, no, I'm just making your life better and easier. Yeah. But don't – don't you want to – you very clearly want to be right. I'm, I'm literally helping you be right. Yeah. I think also it – depends on the circumstances too and it also just depends on like what you prefer and and who you are but like in a customer service setting of like a customer that I'm never gonna see again approaching me and saying my name wrong or even like misgendering I would not feel the need to correct them just because I'm never going to see them again and I'm not going to spend that energy on that person yeah and if you're feeling like correcting is draining you yeah. You know, it it's okay to kind of 
take some of the small interactions and just let that be a wash, even though, I mean, it can make you feel kind of dysphoric, but it's like, I, uh, you know, I don't think anyone doesn't understand if you're like, I'm never seeing that person again in my life. I'm just okay if they're just wrong. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when it's something that matters, like someone you, who's is a part of your life, you know, a customer you'll never see again compared to like a a new coworker, like it is definitely less energy to correct them, tell them your how to say your name and what your pronouns are. It's definitely less energy than having to spend all this time answering to them, referring to you not the right way. Yeah. Having to answer to something that isn't the truth of your identity and who you are. Yeah. That's definitely going to be end up more being more draining in the long run. So I think it's like, you know, it's energy well spent. And when it comes down to it, sometimes I feel like the draining energy of correcting things is because like, there's like a part of it that's like caring what they think a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not just kind of inherently, but it's like, fuck them. Yeah. And it's just anyone who doesn't care about the fact that you are communicating to them, this is what my name is. This is who I am doesn't deserve the time of day in the first place because that's just such basic respect like even if you took it out of a place that is racism or transphobia or whatever it may be like as far as being prejudiced it's just like it's just basic respect someone goes oh yeah i know but i go by my middle name you know what i mean yeah it's like you call them by their middle name yeah like when someone when you find out someone like you, you you call them trevor that's how they were introduced to you then six months after calling them Trevor every day for six months, you find out Trevor's actually their middle name. You don't start calling them by their first name. Yeah. It's like, it just doesn't make any sense when someone tries to take that angle. They're like, well, actually, no, the, the correct thing is, it's like, no, the correct thing is whatever I fucking tell you. Yeah. <laughs> That's so true. You, and you don't seem to have a whole lot of actual care for correctness. You just found something that makes you feel like, oh, I can be a, I can be a little bit racist right now. Yeah. Can't waste this opportunity. Dude, like three years ago at my last job, I had a coworker. I'm not going to say his name, mm-hmm. uh, but one of my really close friends. Greg. One, what? Greg. Johnny. What? Luke. Are you trying to come up with a new name? I'm trying to guess the name. <laughs> oh, no. You know who I'm talking about. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> um, no, yeah. My close friend there. Oh. Uh Went by a different name when I first started working there. Um, and like halfway through, talked to me and they were like, Oh, I'm, I'm, I want to go by this name instead because my old name was my dad's name and my dad was abusive and I don't want to have his name anymore. Totally. And I was like, Sick. Gang. And I, I'm not like trying to like fucking put myself on a pedestal, but like, transitioning to calling him his new name i didn't like i swear to god i didn't even like think twice about it like it was literally just like a switch in my brain and i was like that's his new name and it wasn't even like a giant switch like his name didn't go from being like ashley to sebastian like like, it was a pretty subtle change but a very different name yeah um and our manager at the time like it took honestly like six maybe more months to start calling him by that name. And like my friend had to like sit down with him and be like, 
look, like, you need to stop calling me that name or I'm going to fucking freak out. Yeah. Um, and it took, like, a whole sit-down with, like, the higher-ups to be like, okay, we'll really work on calling you this new name. And I was like, why is it so difficult for you guys to yeah. just, like, that kind of mental that? that kind of mental rigidity is very telltale of a lack of intelligence and empathy. It's so weird. Like just not being able to like move and it's like anything around in your brain. These like white men that like pretended like they were so like fucking Bay Area liberal, like were smart men that yeah. believe in like feminism. And it was yeah. like you you guys like fucking suck. Yeah. <laughs> like, the same manager that told him when he was having like a severe depressive episode he was like, just be happy. Like, do yeah. things that make you happy. And me and him were like, are you, like, fucking stupid? Like, yeah. what? It's, yeah. It's wild, especially in, like, liberal areas like this. Like, v- like straight white men in the workplace be like, I believe in feminism. I like, yeah, a woman a w- women should totally be in the workforce. I, I, I don't even care that there's so much yeah. worse at the job. Or it's like, like, like dude, you're, what? They'll be like, I believe in feminism. Like, women should be able to have as much sex as they want to. Yeah. <laughs> women should be able to have as much sex with me as they want to. It's so fucking stupid. Oh, God, I hate And then they're the same people to say equal rights, equal fights. <laughs> Oh, I'm like, yeah. bro, you jumped to that pretty quick. So bad. I just saw a TikTok that was like men that talk about feminism and are like, well, if you want equal rights, then like I should be able to punch you. It's so like, it was like, that's a, like <laughs> punching anybody is illegal. Like, yeah. You know that, right? That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you're not all you're you're not allowed to be punching guys. Yeah. You know that, right? <laughs> so funny it's like you i like to report an assault it's like are you a man yeah see a man yeah it's like then th- that's that's not illegal bro why are you calling 911 it's not assault <laughs> so funny. it's only assault if the genders are different yeah, actually like, you know that's illegal uh yeah sorry we kind of got off topic but easyana thanks for calling love you bye our next message is from Callie. Ring, ring. Hey, y'all. So my boyfriend and I just reached our one-month anniversary. Small milestone, but it makes me very happy. I know I love him, and I was wondering if you had any advice on how to express that without saying I love you or love bombing. I told him I love him once already, and he said he wants to take his time to say he loves me back, which I respect. I want... I want him to take his time and get to know his own feelings and emotions. I'm much more emotional than he is, and so I understand, but I want to express all the affection I have for him without overstepping any boundaries. So I can't say I love you, and I don't want to keep buying him a bunch of gifts because I don't know what constitutes as love bombing. Is it a problem that I'm being so cautious, or should I just freely express myself without worrying too much about his progress? What if he never says it back? And what and at what point should I worry that he doesn't love me as much as I love him? There's a lot of gray area. I think that's a good question. Is love so? I in, in, in my head, and I could be wrong here, but I'm like, isn't love bombing only when it's like in the context of abuse? So here's the thing. I think that yes, and like we were talking about off the mic, off the record. 
I think a lot of it has to do with intent. But at the same time, love bombing is a tactic that narcissists use. Yeah. Um, and a lot of narcissists don't know that they're narcissistic. And so they do these tactics without realizing it. Yeah. And even if they realize it, it's not... There's a lot of abuse that yeah. happens without somebody thinking, I'm going to abuse this person. It's just yeah. a pattern that they, they start doing in their relationships. I think specifically with Callie, their intent of, I love this person and I want to show them that I love them, there's nothing wrong with yeah, that. This is, yeah, you're not, you're not using any tactics. So yeah. I think you're safe. To, I think it's safe to say you are not love bombing someone because generally love bombing has to do with the ups and downs, the peaks and valleys of abuse of like being terrible to them, then love bombing to get them back. And then being terrible and then yeah. love bomb. So I think you're fine there. I don't think maybe going as far as what you said, like, should I just express myself freely? I don't think you should stifle your love, but I do think maybe not going so far as like, I have carte blanche to give this person a bunch of love and affection, even though those feelings are so strong, mm -hmm. it is still a boundary that this person, your partner has set being like, I want to take my time to get to the place where I say I love you back, which to me is a great sign because that's your boyfriend going, I accept your love, your love for me. And I work slightly differently. I see a future with you. So I'm going to get to that future with you the way I do it. Yeah. So I think that's so far all good stuff. And, you know, don't stifle your love. You don't have to pretend you don't have to fucking play hard to get, or at least I hope you <laughs> don't have to, yeah. um, but like finding a, a way to express that you said like buying him gifts. I don't know about buying him gifts for me. It's more so like just the presence. You know what I mean? You do, not presence with a T presence. Like you are present there. Yeah. No, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, like finding a way you are expressing to him how much you love and care for him while also giving him the space to grow and understand his feelings just by being there for him and caring for him the way you would care for anyone that you love, a friend, a family. Um, I think you're kind of all good. Yeah. I understand how it could be nervous. I don't think you have to worry about him not loving you as much as you love him for a good chunk. You've only been dating a month. Yeah. So like, I think, you, I think you, time will pass you know, you know you love him and you'll act accordingly. I don't think you have to be too scared. Yeah. I also, I have two things to say here. The first Your one, heart will guide the way. Go on. <laughs> Go on. I just needed to say that one. Uh, two things to say here. I think the first one is this early in the relationship, I think it's important to kind of follow their lead along with what they're comfortable with. So mm -hmm. if their love language right now isn't saying they love you and it's not buying you a bunch of gifts and like overly expressing it, I think right now it's, it's kind of safe to play it cool and follow along with their lead of what they're comfortable with. Yeah. And being perceptive in that way makes him feel very loved. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I hear you. And so this, I'll, I'll give you back right what, I'll give you what you're giving me. Did I say that right? I think right enough. Right enough. That's fine. Um, the second one is if you are at this point where you're like, I want to make sure that I'm not love bombing. I think just to like 
be very careful and safe of like recognizing maybe patterns you've had in in previous relationships. If for some reason you think that you're love bombing because you've done that in the past, then Mm. I think it is, you know, something that you really need to address with yourself and you might not be ready to be in a relationship. That might be a big thing to say. It's a big step. It's an assumption of like, if this is a pattern. And and I'm not saying that's, yeah, and I'm not saying that that's what you're implying, but if it's something that you're thinking of yeah, like, big oh, I've, I've love bombed in the past, then y- you kind of need to self-reflect for a second and then figure out, do I actually love this person or am I getting into this new like... Is this a means to an end? Yeah. Yeah. So be mindful of that too. Um, if you just happen to like love this person, like I love jack like within a month of dating him <laughs> yeah i think me and jack said we loved each other within the first month of dating is he you and i said don't I, say it jack you and i we said can't give them a bad example i'm i'm gonna say you and i said i love you day seven uh do not follow our lead <laughs> That is the exception to the rule. I did post about you early on, like I think maybe day six, and there was a comment that was like, love bombing, red flag, red flag, red flag. And yeah, it's it just like, shut the fuck well, up. Well, one of our first conversations was, I mean, I had just gotten out of a relationship with a narcissist, and I was like, part of this does scare me because yeah. I do feel like, like, almost like we're love bombing each other. Yeah. Um, and we had that conversation. And that was important for us of, like, setting those boundaries of, like, do we love each other? But I think we just did, like, really early on. I want to make it clear, like, when we first... I think there's a really big difference between, like, being, like, so in love and just, like, loving someone. When I meet people and when I like people, I, like, very instantly, like, love them and want to protect them with, like, my whole heart. Mm -hmm. And I think instantly I felt that with Jack. I don't know if I was like... and But there's a difference between that and I am in love with this person. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, and so maybe you're feeling that too. But I think it's important to self-reflect. Yeah. It, it is yeah. definitely important to try and um, interrogate your wants yeah. and be like, am I wanting a loving relationship or is my is my goalpost right now like, am I wanting him to say it back? Like, am I trying to get that box checked? Yeah. Or is it about building the relationship where that love exists? That's so real. That's really real. That was good. As a person, dude, I've been diagnosed with a bunch of different things, so I don't actually know what I have. Psoriasis. (laughs) Fibromyalgia. Giardia. (laughs) That's not what I have. Phantom limbs. Got a third one coming out your back. I swear I feel it. It's a phantom limb. Oh, you're funny. Um. Anyways, back to the serious topic. Yeah, go on. There's a lot of um. What is it? I know BPD and um bipolar. Um. When you are in a relationship, it's really easy to become just completely like engulfed in it. Um, and that's kind of something that I've struggled with. And one of those things is like having a favorite person and like with your favorite person, it's you like super quickly, like quote unquote, fall in love with them. And that person becomes like 
your identity of like every like I need their love back and if they don't love me or show me affection like I'm going to crumble and die mm-hmm. um and so falling into relationships where you like very quickly feel like this kind of attachment I just think it's like you need to be super careful with where those feelings are coming from of mm-hmm. like is this genuinely how I feel have I noticed this pattern in the past Am I, do I already feel like I'm going to crumble without them or if yeah. they don't say they love me back? Just being super careful with like you, what you're doing. Yeah. Does that definitely. make sense? Totally makes sense. Yeah. In a situation like this where you've said I love you and the other person has not said I love you back yet, even though all the feelings between you two might be good, completely positive, that sort of perceived imbalance can be a scary place for either person to get hurt. So I think it's important to be aware of where your self-worth is coming from and making sure that in this situation, your self-worth is coming from within and not from outside sources like your relationship. Because then that puts a bunch of pressure on your partner, on yourself, on your relationship, yeah. And you don't want pressure on there. You don't want pressure to be where I love you comes from. Yeah. And we had that conversation really early on too. What was that? Um, we had a conversation about our feelings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and somewhere in there, I was, cause I was going through like a really, really rough time when I, when I first met Jack. And I remember saying like, oh, like. Since meeting you, like, I've just, like, felt happier. Like, I haven't cried, like, in, like, five days or something. And I remember me and Jack talking, and he was like, that, like, makes me really happy, but I don't want you to feel like you have to rely on me for that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't, but I get that. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah, I think it's important. Yeah. It's kind of fucked up, but (laughs) we're just kidding. No. What was it? Four days in when I was like trying to have a conversation with you about like, I think I want to be exclusive. And like two minutes in that conversation, you were like, Jack, yes, I want to be exclusive. You just said, I want to be exclusive. Jack, I want to be exclusive with you. I've known since the day one that I wanted to be exclusive with you. I've been waiting for you to catch up. And then I still managed to have that conversation for 20 minutes. Yeah, that was rough. But hey, I think we all we got everything squared away. Yeah. It's going it's going well so far. I know your minutes, last name. 20 minutes too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think we helped? I feel like we did. Yeah. I think their intent is good. Protect yourself. Protecting yourself is the best way to protect your partner. Absolutely. And also protect yourself. Even if that means hurting your partner. Whoa. <laughs> You got to protect yourself. Yeah. (laughs) Got to look out for number one. (laughs) Thanks for calling. Love you. Bye. Oh, one thing real quick. Little Jack after the fact. That would be my like political wrap up show. Sorry. Sidebar. Little uh, Jack after the fact. Um. Our Patreon, as soon as the, when this episode is live, our Patreon should be live. Up there, we're going to be doing 
right now one episode a month or maybe two. Um, but it's going to be some extra content, um, some that is answering your guys' question, the same format as we will call you back proper. Some is going to be more free form. Um, and then we might try out some other stuff. And so the Patreon is a place where we can kind of just do whatever we want. But then the free stuff that gets uploaded at Spotify, Apple Podcasts is always going to be the same classic. We will call you back. You guys know and love. Uh, so yeah, if you're interested in a little bit more of us and what I assume is my unbearable vocal fry, you can go check out our Patreon. Uh, it should be in all the links in the bios and stuff like that. And I think you can do it on like a Spotify page. I am out of my depth for someone who does social media for how to, to pay rent. Anyway, thanks for listening. Check it out if you want. Love you. Bye. Thank you for listening to We Will Call You Back. If you want to hear more, hit the subscribe button now or select from the following menu items. To like the show, press 1 or hit the like button. To subscribe, press 2 or hit the subscribe button. To submit your question to the show, hang up and direct message us at we will call you back on Instagram. Goodbye. <laughs>